to episode 19 of our podcast. I'm Alex, one half of The Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. And I know this is coming out weeks later than you originally heard that we were sad, but we're not sad anymore. No, we're not sad anymore. In fact, I'm really happy today. I'm really happy today. And do you know what makes me the happiest? And I know this is a really small, sort of sad, happy thing. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm really happy that we've just re-recorded our Day 30 video. Oh, I'm so relieved about that. You know when you do something and it's there, but I just knew it wasn't our best. No, I do. And I think that when we've re-recorded it, we're just us, aren't we? Instead of being scripted. Yeah, and sat upright, like... Boring people. For oh, a lot of people sit upright that might not be boring. Yeah, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. But yeah, for anybody that is doing the 30-day experiment, day 30 now, I think we focused on a little bit more, you know, um, of the future and... All right, I'm not going to lie. We're trying to encourage you to do 100 days, really. No, we're not. We're trying to encourage you to stay sober forever. Well, yeah, but 100 days. <laughs> if you do 100 days, don't you think that that then kind of really gives you insight into how amazing sober life can be and you experience yeah. so many different things that you actually want to do it then forever? It gives you a more sort of balanced view because you, you get the highs and the lows in 100 days, don't you? So you know what you're yeah. really capable of. And like, 30 days I know my husband used to say he used to do 30 days you know like a dry January or sober October just to prove to himself that he wasn't an alcoholic so he did that in a breeze the 30 days but what he was doing for them 30 days was trying to get like looking forward to the end where he could have a drink and then he had kind of proved to himself that he didn't need a drink yeah. And then it would carry on even worse. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think 30 days, in some respects, can be quite easy. I think it can be, but for some people, it's also a massive challenge, isn't it? Because, you know, you've, I'm reading on social media quite a lot how some people haven't been sober for one night in a decade. Do you know what I mean? So depending on what... Yeah. A, a 30 day, if you haven't been sober for a night in a decade, 30 days is like amazing isn't it i was really quiet then because i was honestly trying to think how long a decade was <laughs> <laughs> oh god right okay on that note i think we'll leave our talk about 30 days versus 100 days don't you um because a decade how many years 10 <laughs> yay <laughs> i have my fingers and toes crossed <laughs> i do love you um today we are actually interviewing the lovely mrs d lotta dan so Check this out, everyone. How are you doing? Really good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good. It's so lovely to virtually meet you. <laughs> Look, it's New Zealand. Oh, oh I want to come. <laughs> I sure it is, but it's pitch black. I can't see anything. I thought it might be. It's a beautiful sunny morning here. It's oh. miserable and cold. Actually, it's been dry today, hasn't it? It has been dry today. For the first well, time in about... Two weeks we've had storms which are probably nothing like the storms that you get over there but storms we don't we don't know we're in drought at the moment what's happening to the world oh don't don't even get us started on that one <laughs> let's not go there <laughs> oh thank you so much for agreeing to come on oh good <laughs> so I'm Alex oh yeah We've not even told you who we are. <laughs> I feel like I know you guys because I follow you now. I feel like I've known you for about a year. <laughs> you were one of the first books that I read. Oh, nice. 
I've got to be honest, my mum is so excited that I'm virtually meeting you. (laughs) So basically, when I first got sober, um, then my mum decided to follow in my footsteps, which I was really amazing. And initially, I told her to read Claire Pooley's book, which is The Sober Diaries. So she'd said to me, oh, I've downloaded it. It's amazing. And then she kept telling me all these things about the book. And I was like, I remember that bit. (laughs) And I was like, are you sure we're reading the same book? Anyway, we wasn't because she was reading yours. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I first heard about your book. And I'm so glad I did. Um, But yeah, so really... What we wanted to ask you first is we know the word alcoholic um, is and alcohol is a taboo subject, isn't it? And even more so when you first stopped drinking. And although it's getting a lot easier because of people like you writing books and, you know, sharing your story, how did your family and friends, and in particular your husband react when you told them that you were writing this book and, of course, putting your name to it? So that came about three years after I'd stopped drinking. And I think the stopping drinking was more of a bomb shell than the going public, although the going public thing was also quite, you know, a thing. Yeah. But the biggest bomb, you know, that exploded was me just saying to everyone that I was removing alcohol from my life because who does that, right? (laughs) And all my family drink. Yeah, my husband drinks. And so, and, you know, my drinking was very problematic, but it was, a lot of the impacts were really hidden. So it wasn't like everyone went, oh, yeah, Lotta really needs to stop. They were a bit like, oh, and it was a a bit confronting maybe, but also just, yeah, surprising. So that was kind of the bigger deal. Three years later when I started writing the book and, you know, decided I was going to go public because I wanted to raise awareness of, sobriety and also online recovery, um, they were just, look, I don't know. They were just, I don't know. They were just like (laughs) proud and kind of just watching me. I was just on a mission, you know. I was like, you can't stop me. And I I just think they were all kind of like, okay, righto, we're with you, you know, really lovely and supportive, but a little bit like, I don't know, left in my wake. (laughs) It's amazing, is it? I was a bit like that when I stopped as well. I I am, yeah. I just think I found it. I couldn't believe the difference it made. I couldn't believe that there was a community of people out there. I couldn't believe just all the benefits that came from it. And I just felt like I had to share them with the world, which is what you've done. And I'm so grateful that you have done, because if it wasn't for you, I don't think my mum would have gone sober. No, and then I read your book really early on. Um, it, well, not to lie, actually, I listened to the audio <laughs> version of your book really early on, and I used to listen to it going to work in the car. And then I'd phone Lisa up and go, oh, lot of dancers this, lot of dancers that. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I know. I did it a year ago. Stop phoning me. <laughs> Uh, I love that you guys are are like wanting to shout it from the rooftops because there's two things like one is we just feel so good and we cannot believe you know how good we feel not having alcohol in our lives and two we can't believe the lies that we believed that were sold to us through society and marketing and all the rest of it about all the supposed 
positive benefits of alcohol. And when you start living without it and you realise what lies they are, you just really want to raise awareness because a lot of people are still blinded by that and they really do believe drinking alcohol is the best way to relax, the best way to have fun, the best way to commiserate, the best way to bond, the best way to show that you're a good hostess, all those things, and it's just not true. No, it's absolute rubbish. And Lisa, um, she does this quite a lot. So she'll say, it's because I've stopped drinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This has happened because I've stopped drinking. And I'm, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm with you on this one. I get it. I agree with you, don't, don't you? I believe that every good thing in my life that happens is because I've stopped drinking. I put everything down to sobriety. I just do because... I can't believe how good it is. What I want to ask you, I suppose, as well, is, you know, at the beginning, did you find it easy or did you find it quite difficult? Oh, I found it hard, really hard. I mean, it is hard at first. There's no denying that and would be foolish too because then people might think it should be easy. We get to a place where we're free and joyous and all the rest of it. But, no, it is hard as hell. I mean, you've got to retrain your thinking which takes a lot of time. You've got to just deal with cravings. Your brain is adjusting. We've been pounding it with a drug that pushes out dopamine, right? And I did it daily for 20 years. And my brain freaked out when that stopped happening, right? So I had to adjust. My brain chemistry had to readjust. And that does happen, but again, it takes time. Plus, you've got to learn how to socialise sober. Who am I without alcohol? Am I fun? I mean, there is a lot going on. And so, no, it wasn't easy at all. Um, It was really hard and it took hard work and determination. But that's why another reason why I think it's so important for us that those of us that have got through that hard bit to really shine a light so that we can say to people, keep going. (laughs) You know, it gets better, I promise. It really does, and it's like um, it's like having a secret that other people just don't know about, isn't it? It's like I know the secret, and if you just let me speak to you and just let me help you for thirty to one hundred days, you're going to know that secret as well. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the problem is, right? We have to tread quite a fine line between being joyous and happy and promoting recovery and not preaching to people because people. Yeah do get defensive, they do, they do um, uh, can at least see it as being, you know, judgy and um, evangelical and, they, and you don't want to kind of close people off. So there's a fine line between promoting recovery, being joyous about it, but also, yeah, not hammering people and so in my I do a lot of joyous promoting of recovery online and to people that are interested but in my normal life I don't because I really don't want to put people off and you know there's this great saying you've probably heard of called attraction not persuasion and it's about trying to just live and be happy and free and just show that it can be done but not actually bang on about it especially not when people are actually drinking in front of you (laughs) yeah that's the worst thing isn't it if you're actually sat in the bar like it's really bad for you that (laughs) do you know what though on the flip side of that so yesterday I met up with some family members just for half an hour and they've actually um been quite vocal over the year that I talk about it too much. And I think I'm the newest sober out of the three of us here now. So 
I guess at the beginning you do talk about it more because it is, it is a, for me, it was very conscious effort, conscious to stop drinking and conscious to carry on sobriety. So I was having this conversation um, with my family a little while ago and they were saying, it's all you seem to talk about. Anyway, I've now made a conscious effort that I'm not going to talk about it. So yesterday I um, went to a bar to meet with them and I ordered myself my non-alcoholic beer and they were having Prosecco and wine. And I swear I didn't say a word. And all of a sudden they start telling me about how they've cut down drinking and they don't drink in the week. And it's even when I'm not judging them, they think I'm judging them. <laughs> so I don't right. Know I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, it is tricky, isn't it? And so then you go out of your way to prove that you're fine with them drinking, which I I've probably done a bit too much, to be honest. I've gone out of my way to try and show that I'm cool with people drinking around me um, because my attitude at the start was always, I can't change the world, I can only change me, although I'm kind of trying to change the world now through my books and what have you. But with my family and friends, it's really tricky. I mean, I don't know that I've got it right even now. And I've had instances where bad things have happened recently with alcohol. Um, in my real life. I don't write about it because it's private for other people, but it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to navigate, I think would be fair to say, and we just have to do it the best we can, and, and, but just remain really focused on ourselves, why we're doing it for ourselves, what the benefit is for ourselves, and then this is what's so important, connect with people who get it. Because sometimes that's not our family and friends and we need those others. I mean, you guys are so lucky having each other. Just having sober buddies is just really important. I just think um, we, we do really know how lucky we are, don't we? Yeah. Because I know when I first stopped in the first few months, I was very on my own. And the only people I knew who were sober were the books that I was reading, like yours, and they were such a help to me. And if anybody asked me um, what helps me stay sober was reading quickly and books like yours, and we're really, really grateful for them. I know that you also, um, I read earlier about your toolbox was online community. You developed an online community, didn't you? And um, sober treats as well. Um, which I'm a massive advocate of. I love treating myself. <laughs> yeah, and she's always trying to get me to, but I'm just not the same at all, am I? I don't get it. <laughs> Is there anything else that you do to help you stay sober now? Um, the main one is definitely connecting with people constantly and reminding myself where I've come from. That's a biggie, and I'll never let myself forget that miserable, miserable, certainly the last, morning after my last binge but those last few months which were so devastating you know internally I'm never going to let myself forget that and connecting with people especially people in the early stages because encouraging them along really helps remind me of the work that it took um so that's a big one what else helps keep me sober yes yeah, sober treats and just um I don't actually really have to really work at it now. I'm eight years past my last drink. I have no desire whatsoever to touch that carcinogenic poison. Other people can have it. Like I don't actually have to actively work at being sober in that regard. But, I, yes, I am working on my recovery. See, this is the difference, right? People think being in recovery, are you always going to be in recovery? I think being in recovery means it doesn't mean I'm desperately trying not to drink. It means that I'm constantly looking at what I'm doing to keep myself well. 
right? What have I got in my life that I'm looking after my spiritual life, my physical, my mental and my family, all those aspects. That to me is being in recovery. And that's changed over the years. Like what I was doing at two years sober to look after myself is different to what I'm doing now. And that's one of the gifts of sobriety because it makes us constantly reevaluate and shift around and just put things in place to keep ourselves well and happy because life keeps happening, you know, tough stuff, really tough stuff. People around us are complicated. You know, things happen and it's hard. And so it's just having a constant eye on what am I doing to look after myself that isn't about numbing and avoiding. What was that... um kind of defining moment for you then so you just started to touch upon your last hangover if you want to call it that was that it or was there something was it longer um no it was it was just the it was just the the addiction was progressing so much and I could see that it was pulling me, pulling me, pulling me. And I was, for the last two years before I quit, I was actively engaged with myself to try and moderate and control because I could, I had that little little voice in my head going, this is a problem, this isn't right. You know, the big voice going, it's fine, everyone drinks, you deserve yeah. it. The little voice was there, you know, growing a little bit over those last two years. And I was trying all the techniques, you know, to moderate and control and none of them were working. I could see that clearly. And I, because I was having this internal debate with myself, I wasn't kidding myself. And then the last night I drank was obviously the night that I hid an empty bottle from my husband. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, a lot of people hide empties for a long time. It's a really common behaviour. But for me, I did it once and that was it for me. And the reason was I could see this was a new dysfunctional behaviour while I was trying to control things. I had no control. Yeah. And I was just so horrified when I woke up that morning and I, you know, and I remember at three in the morning just kneeling down and getting the empty bottle out of the pantry where I'd hid it and putting it quietly in the recycling in floods of tears and just feeling like utterly shattered and really lost and really confused because there's no one else to blame. You know, this is why addiction's so hard and just so low and, and that for me, that was the point. I just thought to myself, the alcohol has to go. It has to. Oh, it's, so, it's really honest and it's really touching because although, I, I'll be honest, I didn't actually get to the point of hiding anything, but only because I didn't have to do because it was so openly accepted in my house and in my family that I was actually the one who didn't need to stop drinking. So... I was kind of drink, comparing myself to everybody else, thinking, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. But what I had started to do, and it's very similar, is at bedtime is just to pour that extra bit. And it was literally an inch of wine and then sip it at the sink. I have no idea why. Well, I do know why, because I was addicted to it. But <laughs> I have no idea why I was doing that. It wasn't adding anything. It was just to yeah. get that extra drop of wine down my throat before bed. Yeah, it's a madness. It really is a madness. And it's also a very personal relationship that we have with the alcohol it's very intimate and private actually and even though it's social and everyone sees that you know actually you're talking about a very intimate relationship between you and the alcohol but you explaining your bit more about your family there sort of helps to explain why why you're getting the reaction you're getting like you you're are you really like a bomb that's got a sober bomb that's exploded in your family yeah 
Yeah, I think we both are a magnifying glass. I, I am a magnifying way. glass, yeah. So yeah. I, I've kind of gone sober and everybody's like, whoa, she was the one who didn't need to go sober. What about us? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that's right. And, I mean, you because you understand it so well, what it's like, you know, standing at the kitchen having that little bit, you know, that you don't need, you can also then relate to how they're feeling. It's really confronting. And, and I always have, try and have a gentle, because all my family drinks. You know, really, they do, and everyone around me. And, and so I try and not it's, – it's, like I said before, it's a hard line to, to toe, but you have to really try and understand it and empathise and at the same time just do what you're doing because, honestly, what you are doing and quitting is so powerful, even without any words being spoken. You're just showing that it's possible and good. <laughs> I mean, that – you know, in the environment we live in where alcohol is just championed and it's so available and it's so cheap and it's so normalised and glorified, to actually stand in the middle of it and go, I'm choosing not to drink and I'm feeling really good about it is immense and really powerful. It's, um, you know what, your Instagram and your social media is all about positivity and mindfulness and I read your post yesterday and I'm all about Instagram and I love yours. It's accounts like yours that keep me motivated and always have done and you can feel your passion and I just feel a little like you. <laughs> <laughs> I just listen to you like, could you? Yeah, I could. And hearing you, hearing you actually and the passion behind what you're saying is even nicer yeah. than reading about it, isn't it? Yeah, and especially like eight years on to still feel so passionate about it. Like I'm just coming up to two years and I hope and I pray that I'm as passionate as you are still in eight, in another six years. I'm rubbish at maths. She's the clever one. <laughs> well, it's also because I know that there's people right now, right now, this morning, feeling like I did that morning eight years ago. They're waking up feeling like utter bollocks and low and, and not good about themselves. And I just, I do, I do have a passion to try and want to help them. I worry that I repeat myself all the time. I mean, eight years of really on one topic is a lot of yeah. repeating. But I think, you know, the new people come in and yesterday I did actually get quite passionate because um, someone on the community that I run the online community had written a post about how they were moderating and they were really happy about it and a lot of our community members were kind of struggling with her post and she was being a little bit problematic and um it just fired me up and so I just wrote that post <laughs> about how how happy I mean this is the thing I just do really genuinely feel so good about it I do just want to shout it from the rooftop and I'm glad that you have done as well. Um, and I know now you've ca you're working a lot on mindfulness. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what you do? Yeah. So at the moment, I really am pounding it quite hard because I've had a couple of really tricky emotional things happen to me. Just it's just a phase, you know. I'm in at the moment where there's some personalities that have, you know, some tricky stuff. Not in my immediate family, I should hasten to add, but just just some things and I've been ruminating, over-ruminating and having these internal conversations with people that are going nowhere and it's, I've been very aware of it. So that's the main thing that mindfulness is giving me is an awareness of what my thoughts are doing and I now really quickly can pull myself up. You're having that conversation again and it's just about recognising that and then 
pulling yourself out of the thinking and down into the moment you're in. So I literally just go, you're having the conversation again. What are you actually doing right now? What are your hands doing? What are you seeing with your eyes? What can you smell with your nose? And really trying to ground myself down into the moment. You know, and it's a practice, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. I still then go off, and I'll be an hour later, I'll be having that internal conversation again. But again, I recognize and I pull myself down into the moment. And the more that I do that, the better it kind of seems to get overall. Um, and then I reach out now for even more kind of help with my thinking. And I listen to talks by people like Tara Brach and people who just really help me put a good perspective on the mystery of life. And I mean, it sounds kind of kooky, but it's actually not. She's wonderful. She's quite practical. And it's just about our place in the world and the way our brains work and emotions and people. And it just helps me really calm down. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking that I'm going to uh, write that down because I would really like to. I love stuff like that. Um, in my early days, I listened to a lot. Um, I listened to things and then I, I get rid of them. I've done it. <laughs> but like Mel Robbins, when I first stopped, you know, like the five second rule. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. I loved that at the beginning. You've read that as well, haven't you? And, yeah. And, and Sincero and... Yeah, yeah. And I've got a shelf full of self-help books. <laughs> and um, Yeah, very about... And meditation as well is something that I practice. I'm going to have to say I practice. Oh, good on you. I, I haven't actually... I've tried meditation, like formally sitting and closing my eyes and meditating, and I, it's never really taken hold with me, but I have been thinking lately, I, because I, like I say, at the moment I'm in a phase where I feel like I need a bit of next-level work. Um, I might start trying to do that again. So, yeah, I, I do the more of the mindfulness practicing rather than the formal meditation. Yeah. But, yeah, do, do look up Tara Brach. She's got so many free talks on her website. She's great. Oh, fantastic. I feel like, you know, when you've got stuff going on, and tell me if I'm wrong, do you kind of find that that helps motivate other people? So when you put a post on, a very positive post, is it something that you might be telling yourself but also telling <laughs> other people? Um, not with the sobriety so much because, like I said, I actually don't have to actively work at not drinking alcohol anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, that's easy for me. Um, but, yeah, yeah, sometimes just the positive stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try and also be honest in my social media because I don't want to be relentlessly positive all the time because life's not like that. And actually, funnily enough, yesterday morning, I was anxious all morning with, you know, the actual in my tummy nerves. Yeah. No reason, you know, except it is just what it is, which is low-level anxiety. It kind of shifted by the afternoon, and that's when I wrote that fired-up post, and it was great. But, you know, the reality of my day wasn't that I was all happy all yeah. day. So I've got to try and somehow reflect that as well, um, just to keep it real and be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always a mixed bag, isn't it? I mean, life, life, you know. <laughs> that's what we always say. We're always, you know, we, we've got quite a lot of members now, and I think – a lot of people think in sobriety the magic wand's going to come along and wave away your problems. And we're always saying, look, your problems remain. It's just the way you deal with them that shifts. And I think that's exactly. probably the best way of looking at it. It's that's exactly right. And then the more time that you go not reaching for alcohol as a coping mechanism, the more strategies you develop. 
So right now, eight years ago, I would be drinking a lot of wine because I'm going through a bit of a gritty phase. I've got this new book coming out, which I'm a bit nervous about. I've got this stuff happening with these interpersonal relationships. I've got two part-time jobs. I've just started a new one. I'm involved in quite a bit of travel. Like there's a lot going on. And I'd probably be just drinking more than normal through it in the old days. But now new sober me is listening to Tara Brach, is practicing the mindfulness, is making sure I go to my yoga class. It's making sure I walk the dog even when I just want to lie on the sofa and watch The Real Housewives of Cheshire. You know, (laughs) this is the new me that has these other things. It doesn't mean that any of this tricky stuff goes away, but you're right. It's just the way that I'm managing it is different. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm a little bit like that. Yeah, you well. are. Definitely. You are. In fact, just speaking with you now, Lotta, really, you, I can see a lot of similarities in the mindset with you and yeah. Lotta. We must read the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention your new book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it's a bit of a departure for me because I've always, in the eight years since I've been sober, I've always um, really focused on the personal journey, you know, getting individually getting yourself sober. Um, And I haven't really veered too much into the, what you might call political speak in terms of the environment we live in, marketing, manipulation, um, all that stuff. Because actually I always think for an individual trying to, you know, fix themselves. Getting angry at the state of the world isn't is going to be a bit of a waste of energy early yeah. on. So that's been my focus for eight years, but I've just actually got sick of it. So I've written a book which is pretty <laughs> feisty and it's just really, really unpicking this environment we live in and just the craziness of the privileged position alcohol has been allowed to hold and just really focusing on the impact it's having on women. And so I've got a whole lot of chapters written by me, which is analysing various aspects of alcohol's impact on women. And then in amongst that, I've got these um, stories, personal stories from women I've interviewed about their relationship with alcohol across their lifespan. They're quite short. They're like 1,500 words, but they are honest and they are revealing and they're heartwarming and heartbreaking and really powerful because it's just the truth, right? I just want to tell the truth about what's going on, not the lies we get fed, but the truth. So hopefully this book is going to lift the lid a little bit. It sounds incredible. Yeah. That is definitely my type I'm of book. <laughs> and I'm so with you. I think one of the things that actually really motivated me is when I realised how much I had been lied to my whole entire life by the media, by the alcohol industry. The government the government and I say to people now and I've got to be really careful that I don't rant away to people that I'm regular drinkers <laughs> I know but it, it makes me really mad I'm like how dare I be told this my whole life you know we've realized like round near us they've cut the funding to alcohol and um, recovery centres and drug services, yet they're making billions and billions of pounds by getting people pissed. And it makes me really, really mad. And I think people need to know about it. So I'm going to buy loads of copies of your books and just spread them about. (laughs) One of the things that we do is go into workplaces and we talk to um, like the corporate world about 
trying a sober experiment and we we do a big section as well as productivity and the rest of it we do a big section yeah. on the alcohol industry and how alcohol is salty all subliminal messages we do a huge section on it don't we and we taste it but I can feel us both getting really like energized and mad about it because one of the things that both of us believe because it's on the TV all the time is how much alcohol is costing the NHS. Yeah. So it's costing the NHS, it's costing the public services, it's costing this. But then yeah. even when you take all that away, the government is still making 10 billion pounds a year even when you take that away and yet they've managed to cut funding so we yeah. get so we got on our high horse massively about it don't we yeah, don't <laughs> yeah it, is, it is costing our health system so much money but that's only at the pointy end of it yeah and think about all those people that don't end up in hospital yeah. or at their doctor or whatever who are just at home being also really badly impacted like the cost is actually massive yeah and it is a madness and i do honestly think we're going to look back at this time and be like, what, you know, like we do with cigarettes yeah. um, and how everywhere they were and you could smoke at the movies and on buses and on aeroplanes and doctors would recommend smoking, you know, and I do genuinely believe we will. I, I think it's going to take a while, but I think it's slowly chipping away. All of this sobriety movement, all of this growth of books and podcasts and talk about sober curiosity and everything is the start of this shifting, but it's got to filter up to that policy level and we have to dismantle the amount of propaganda that the uh, liquor industry is able to spread. I mean, even just the way that they try and um, diffuse and distract from the evidence around alcohol causing cancer. I mean, it's horrifying. Utterly horrifying. And it's the same tactics they did with tobacco. I mean, cancer cause, uh, sorry, alcohol causes cancer. That is a fact. Yeah. And yet most people don't know that. The other thing that people don't realise is alcohol causes heart disease and stroke. And it's, that's the, one of the top, stroke is one of the top killers with alcohol. If you ask anybody what, you know, alcohol causes, they'll say liver damage. And actually that's quite low down the list. Yeah. In terms of the number of deaths. So, yeah, we, we get quite mad about it. Oh, yeah. you guys are doing such great work. I mean, that's amazing. I love that. I didn't realise you were doing that. That's so good. Good on you. We love it. The, the workplace is, is our passion, isn't yeah. it? It's just kind of spreading the word that alcohol is yeah. not what you think it is. And that's the main thing that we do focus on, to be honest, is just to show people the other side that we've been led to think that having a drink after work believes stress because we've seen it on the television. We've seen people, you know, every British programme or soap is in a pub. They, they are and I think that has got to change this we are oh, yeah. box now it's yeah <laughs> even even Kirsty and Phil every time they do a deal you know a real estate deal they're at the pub <laughs> you know it's so everywhere we almost don't see it anymore yeah. it's so it's so saturated we've become blind to it and um it is a madness I mean yeah I mean yeah we could we could go on and on about run all day about that just quickly though what is the drinking culture like where you are because I know we've got a very pub culture haven't we wine yeah. bars and yeah. what what's it like where you are oh it's very similar we don't have such a pub culture um although we do have a lot of pubs and bars um it's very much at home you know 
we're saturated. Um, alcohol is available in supermarkets here, so it literally sits next to the bread and milk in the supermarket, beer and wine. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, in my suburb alone, we've got like nine outlets where you can buy alcohol. So it is everywhere. You get offered it at the hairdressers. You get offered it when you go, you know, to your real estate agent and you buy a house, you get a bottle of bubbly. It's just, it's everywhere. You go to any school fundraiser and there's a glass of bubbles and the ticket price. Most, you know, most people drink at home all the time. It's, we are completely and utterly saturated and our laws are very loose. There's no sort of limits on how many licenses can be granted in a suburb for people to sell. Um, the drinking age is 18. Um, you know, it's just, we are, we're totally saturated in it. And we're all of the professionals right across the board, you know, doctors, police, everyone you can name is crying out for legislation changes and the government is not looking at doing anything. They don't want to yet, though. I mean, this is this is one of the things for us and one of the difficulties that we experience is actually just getting workplaces to let us speak, isn't it? Well, it all depends on who we speak to. You know, we'll have some people and they kind of, they may be questioning their own drinking, so they're like, yeah, come in, talk to everybody. Yeah. And then obviously what we do can put the fear of, God into some people and be like, don't come to my workplace. It's absolutely, we can't even touch on that subject. Yeah, just won't talk yeah. about it because they're frightened of, you know, rocking the boat. I actually had an employer say to me, and it's somebody I know, thankfully, say to me, there's no way you can come to my place. Everybody will leave if we have you in. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. what? You know, like, I, know. I know, but I understand that. I mean, again, we have to understand it because we know what it's like. I mean, tell me, how yeah. terrified were you both when you were faced with the prospect of having a life with no alcohol in it? What did oh, that feel? Couldn't even imagine it. Could not terrifying. imagine it. Yeah. We, yeah. If anyone had said to us three years ago, put us both in a room and said, you two will stop drinking one day, we'd have gone, no, we won't. No, yeah. no, no. I think as well, I was more of a binge drinker and at the time when I stopped, it really highlighted my husband's drinking, which I speak about quite a lot. Um, and I just think I would go out and get drunk with my friends and tell them what a piss pot my husband was. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's got a problem in. He's got a bit. He's a functioning oh, alcoholic. You know? <laughs> he's a functioning alcoholic. And I, it, was, it was kind of them and us. And I used to feel sorry for people that would be classed as alcoholic because they had to stop drinking forever and that would be unthinkable. Oh, you poor thing, you're never going to be able to have a social drink. I know, like but the- that attitude keeps us stuck, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it helps keep, keep us drinking. And actually, that's why that's why just smiling and cruising around and being a happy non-drinker is the most powerful thing because it confronts that stereotype. It really is. And you know what? It's also down to people like you being brave enough to share your story. And we are so glad you did. And we're so happy to have you on our podcast. We really are. (laughs) But before you go, can you give one top tip for somebody? I should have three. As many as you can think of. As many as you can think of. Top tips for somebody trying to either quit or cut down on drinking. Okay. Number one, be honest with yourself. You know the truth. (laughs) You are the one who wakes up with yourself at three in the morning. So be honest with yourself. Don't kid yourself and, and just face up to what the reality is for you with your relationship with alcohol. 
Number two, no, no. Even if it seems like craziness, know that change is possible and that you will get to a place where you don't miss that stuff at all. And number three, connect with people who know what you're going through. And that might not be your most immediate loved ones. You need to find people who understand, who are wired the same. Either they're going through it now at the same time or they've been through it before. Connect with them online, in your communities, wherever, so that you don't feel alone. Oh, they're brilliant. I think that's brilliant. And especially that last one, I think, I know how important your online community has been for you. Um, And it was the same for me and we've got a sober tribe haven't we in Manchester we've got Be Sober Manchester so we all go out we do stuff together we go for alcohol free nights out we go for walks awesome it's amazing big sober posse oh yeah yeah I'm so jealous I actually don't have that in my real life I really don't like most of my connections are online I don't have a lot of sober friends in real life I really feel for you for that. But when you were saying before about how everybody around you drinks, I've completely separated myself from all the people I used to drink with. I don't know whether, I suppose I did do it purposely and then obviously found there wasn't a sober tribe, so we had to make one. (laughs) But we have and it's been the best thing ever. So I can highly recommend doing that. Um, it's yeah. important, definitely very important, and it's helped me a lot, definitely. And you've just inherited two more real-life sober friends. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> so, and if you're ever in Manchester, you have to come on one of our nights out. because no, they are love it. Oh, yeah, we could come to you and start a new New Zealand sober oh, tribe. Come to Wellington, New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. It's on our bucket list. <laughs> thanks so much thank you so much for spending because we know how busy you you are and we're really grateful thank you no I'm all good I've just made some soup and I'm going to hang out the washing I've got a day off today it's such a joy talking with you guys I love your energy it's just so positive and and happy and encouraging and really good so yay for you both getting sober and yay for you see like attracts like I love you as soon as you came on I'm like oh yes <laughs> I could tell as well <laughs> thank you okay no worries see you later bye bye, bye. bye.